I thought I would introduce the message this morning. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Crossway, we had our 25th birthday for Crossway. Crossway was 25 years old. And Preston had come to share a few words, and I asked Mary before Preston came, I said, well, can I introduce him? Can I introduce Preston to the team? And she said, well, sure. I had no idea what I was going to say. So I get up there, and I looked at Preston, and I tried to get out this story about knowing Preston, and, I, and my mind reverted back to about 35 years ago. We're in a prayer meeting with Preston and Greg and Mike Brown and myself. Um, it was just the four of us were praying at, at Mount Olivet Baptist. And God began to do something in me, and I started to weep. I started to cry. And I tried to stop crying, and I couldn't stop crying. Well, Preston happened to be sitting right here, so I kind of threw myself on him, and he held me up as I cried and cried and cried. For 15, 20, 25 minutes, I cried on his shoulder. Meanwhile, Mike and Greg were over there. I don't know what they were doing. But they weren't getting up and leaving. They were playing hard. They were, they were sitting with me. Um, and I was just... I was just thinking, Lord, I've never really had a clear understanding of what that was all about. Except um, knitting our hearts together for one. Maybe it was um, sorrow before the happening of, of, of what took place at Mount Olivet. Just pre-sorrow, just looking into it. Maybe it was strength to endure the next 35 years and, and bring us to this point today. But it was a powerful moment. And I shared that with the team and sat down and I, I still didn't know. Anyway, so Lord, I, j- I just pray that you would um, strengthen your church here this morning. Well, we don't have all the answers and we don't know what everything means all the time. But Lord, teach us that you are the one who has life. Amen. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. My text today is, is John twenty thirty one. I was going to continue the I am stories and I got to this verse and I thought, you know, I just need to park on this verse a little bit. It says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And of course, my prayer is that each one of us would possess this life that John is talking about. Don't you imagine that John, the Apostle John, who wrote this, and he was the only one of Jesus' disciples who died of natural causes. Don't you know that he heard about his brothers, the other ten disciples who followed Christ faithfully. He heard about them one by one, that they had been killed for their faith. You know, there John was, whatever, wherever he was ministering in Ephesus or whatever, and, and word comes back that Peter had been crucified, that Thomas had been speared. You know, this, this other guy had had his head cut off. One by one, he was hearing these stories of his, his comrades in the faith, them losing their life because they trusted Jesus. And there's John thinking, am I next? Am I next? Maybe worry entered John's life. Am I, am I the, all my family of brothers in Christ, one by one, they're being murdered. Am I the next one? 
So he says, I'm going to write something. I'm going to write down an account of Jesus Christ so that people who read it might believe and that by believing they would have life in Jesus' name. He said, I've got to get this message out. That's my thinking about reading John now. Here he is, his friends. In your own life, imagine, one by one by one by one. This was the consuming message that John wanted to write about. That life only comes in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing Him. So what does life mean to you? When you think about life, do you just think, well, it's the opposite of death? When you have life, you have everything, right? It's been said that humans are the only creatures who can think about life apart from living it. You know, we can, we can put our mind over here and look back at our life and really consider it. We're the only, because we're made in the image of God, we can look at life. We say that life is precious. It's sacred. And, and we want our lives to be filled with purpose, don't we? And although most of us have encountered death in one way or the other, each of us here this morning has this one glorious fact in common. We have life. We're living. So we wonder, what does it mean to have life in Jesus' name? How is that different than a life apart from Jesus' name? Where's the difference? Should I desire this life? How do I get it? What does it mean in relationship to Jesus? How does this life in Christ change the way I live on earth? How does it start? Does it ever end? Questions about life. And you know yourself, every one of us thinks. We even worry. Not only about our lives, but the lives of others. And there was John writing. I want to make sure that they know how to find life. So as we begin, I want to thank God for revealing his truth about life in Jesus to us so that we might know this. Because this is the greatest truth we could ever have. Thank you, Jesus. It's good to note that in the New Testament, there are three Greek words used for life. Uh, the Greek words are bios, suke, and zoe. Now, bios... Uh, it talks about the, this present state of existence, the means of livelihood. We get the word biology or biography from this as it refers to life of the physical body. Bios is our biological life sustained by active life processes within us. Of all the words for life used in the New Testament, it's used the least number of times. Eleven. And it can be translated as other words. Now, full disclosure, I've been asked so many questions recently by Crosswave that require scientific data to answer. I now include the scientific data simply as a comparison of worldviews. Science doesn't always agree about what makes up physical life, but does identify some characteristics common to most, essentially all, living things. 
One, they consist of an organized structure of a wide diversity of cells, each with specific purposes, operating function, and necessary conditions. Life grows and changes over time. They have processes to eat and excrete and develop and mature. They breathe. Somehow oxygen comes in and out of this body, and that oxygen um, metabolizes the food that they consume. They have a complex chemistry to support self-standing homeostasis, which means the pH and the temperature and the concentration of water and salt and sodium and sugar and many more things are kept in balance with feedback loops and things happening. All this is going on in you right now. They respond to external stimuli, environmental stimuli, either external or internal. And they are typically able to reproduce and pass on their traits to offspring. And these define life from a scientific perspective. Now, the Bible assumes all this is true. Um, And although science believes these traits comprise the essence of physical life, they don't really say what life is, do they? They say these things happen in life, but what is it? And even with all the um, research and expertise and labs and cultural promotion and potential wealth and glory for anyone who could, there's been no progress in creating life in the lab. No scientist has ever been able to create life. The fact is, it seems that the more science advances with new discoveries about life and DNA and outer space and all these things, It seems to me, the more wonderful God's skill and design appear to be. I stand and marvel and wonder how DNA strands link together. And they cut out bad DNA. They stop mutations instead of let the good DNA flow through. The fact is, is that the physical body is wonderfully designed and created as a gift from God. And when he made Adam, he said it was very good. God still breathes physical life into each person he makes. Bios is good. Some of the ancients said, well, the flesh is bad. Let's do away with it. Let's just become spiritual beings. No, that's not the case. God made it good. And God's going to redeem it so that it's good forever. Here's some scriptures about bios. Luke 8, 14. The anxieties and riches and pleasures of this life. 1 Timothy 2, 2. Lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. 2 Timothy 2.4 No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, affairs of this life, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. 1 John 2.16 For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of, you got it, life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. That's bios. Second word, suke. This is uh, really refers to it's the, the breath of life. It's the vital force which animates the body and shows itself as a living being, a living soul. Think about soul here, including the seat of feelings and desires and affections and aversions or disgusts. The soul is that essence of life which differs from the body. And is not dissolved by death. It's distinct from the physical body. It includes the mind and the emotion and the will and the personality. The way we respond to circumstances reveals our suitcase. 
It's the second most used word in the New Testament for life. And it's translated as soul or souls 58 times. And it's life 41 times. So there's some 99 times it's used. It's where we get the word, English word psychology. The study of the mind and behaviors. When Jesus died, he not only gave up his body, he gave up his bias life, he gave up his soul, his suke life. Some scriptural examples of suke. For whoever wants to save his life shall lose it. Matthew 16, 25. Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for your suke. Matthew six twenty five. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Do not worry, it says, Mary, do not worry. That's right. In Acts 20, 24. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my I do not count my life as precious to myself. There's something powerful going on here. Let me just suggest there's something really powerful going on. The third word, zoe. Z-O-E. This is an entirely new dimension of life, typically. In the New Testament, zoe is the word used the most for life, 134 times. And it's translated as life every single time it's used. Scripture reveals that the source of Zoe life is God the Father. Indeed, Jesus calls him the living Zoe Father. The living, peace life. And he links Zoe life to the unique, uncreated, eternal life that God has in himself. God is this essential and ethical fullness of life who then imparts this life to his Son, John 5, 26 says, For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. This is not just biological life. It's just not the life of the soul. This is the life, the eternal life of God. What does it mean to have life in Jesus' name? All other life appearing in the universe is derived life. It, it always and only originates and sustained by God's self-existent life. In his marvelous wisdom, God created mankind in his image with the capacity to know his eternal life. You've been created with the capacity to know eternal life. We were created for fellowship with God, to honor him, love him, worship him, and enjoy him forever. <laughs> but we lost all that when Adam sinned in the garden, and we were born in that sin. Now we're sinners. Jesus came to manifest this life to the world, to those who believe in him. Faith is the vital key to entering and receiving this gift. We must remember that none of us are born with Zoe, as we are with Bios and Suke. We're born with those 
aspects of life, but none of us are born with Zoe. This life is in Jesus alone. So if you have Jesus, then you have Zoe life. His foremost purpose in coming to earth was to give Zoe life. That is to bring us to enter and partake of the very life of God. The Bible says that you were once dead in the trespasses and sins in which you were walked. Now that dead, you were dead, refers to the death of that Zoe life. Ephesians 2.1 Dead means no interest in God, no desire for God, no will to pursue Him, no love for Him, and no life from Him other than the bias life. When someone receives Zoe life from God, they are being raised from the dead. I want you to see that. When someone comes to Christ, they are being lifted from death into life. Not exactly like Jesus' resurrection, but truly they are born again. John 1.14 says, This change is not accomplished by the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but by God. It happens by His supernatural power. A couple of verses that show this life, and you'll, most of the ones you read about life are this Zoe life. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. John 5, 26. John 1, 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. John 10, 10. You've heard many of these this morning already in worship. I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. 1 John 5, 12. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have Zoe life. Now, all through the Gospel of John, Jesus is seen as the only giver and healer of life. Not only physical life, bios, not only the life of the soul, the suke, but also spiritual life. And since he gave all life, he can redeem and heal all life, all aspects of life. And Zoe life, again, is the life of God that humans were designed and fashioned and created to contain. Mm -hmm. This is the supernatural, eternal life that Jesus gracefully offers through faith to Nicodemus, the religious leader who seemed to have everything he needed. And there's this prophet that comes up. This is the supernatural life that Jesus offers to the Samaritan woman at the well whose life was so empty and broken. This is the supernatural life that Jesus offers to the multitude after he feeds five thousands on the hill with bread. This is the supernatural life that Jesus offers to the worshipers in Jerusalem at the Feast of Booths when everybody's celebrating. This is the supernatural life that Jesus offers to the man born blind. And the others who couldn't see him spiritually. You see, Zoe life transforms believers from the inside out. It changes more than just what we think or say or do. It brings God's light and life into the deepest places of our being, into our hearts. As we realize that we have become one of God's own children. Just pause right there. If you've received this life from Christ. You have become a child of the everlasting Father. We are Zoe alive to the extent or to the fullness of 
Christ living in us as we relinquish control and we let Jesus control. And in him we find royal identity and purpose and friendship forever and great joy to follow and obey him. Let's go back to something. If eternal life meant never dying, if eternal life only meant never dying, then it could just refer to our physical existence rather than the restoration of our from spiritual death. So it's sort of a mistake to think or view eternal life as simply an unending progression of years. Don't just think in the time dimension. Think about something more. A common word, New Testament word for eternal is aenios, which includes the idea of uh, quality of life. You see, eternal life functions outside and beyond time. It's not dependent on time at any point. And it can function within time. But this aenios talks about the quality of life. It's not how long it lasts, but how good it is. And it's good. It's good. Blessings such as happiness and righteousness and relationship and joy and peace and love and rest come to the believer who lives in Zoe life. These are foreseen in 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4, where he says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life. Zoe life and godliness through the knowledge of him by knowing him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. This divine power has granted to us true real life. I want you to embrace that this morning. It's for this very reason that Christians begin to enjoy eternal life, not when they die, but at the very moment that they believe. John 3.36 says, whoever believes in the Son has, present tense, eternal life. If you believe in Jesus, your eternal life begins. That's how it begins. Believers don't wait to begin experiencing the, this earnest deposit of eternal life where it starts the moment they believe in Christ. Now, it's not to the full measure of life that will come when we reach glory. But it is an earnest down payment. It's a pledge of what's more to come. It's an already here measure of God's goodness towards us. Now, the life of Bios and Suke always include good and bad. All our life long. We can have sick days and healthy days. We can have joys and disappointments. We can be hurt and confused or elated. But Zoe life bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Even when we don't feel peace or see healing, Zoe life is being adopted into God's family for his purposes forever to display and magnify his mercy and grace and love and glory. Zoe life, every, every one of these life's metaphors is Zoe. Word of life, tree of life, book of life, water of life, spirit of life, 
crown of life. Do you get the picture? Do you get the picture? Now this coming up is not an exhaustive list. It might be exhausting, but it's not an exhaustive list. <laughs> but we can thank God for these qualities of Zoe. What is life in Christ like? This, well, this is what it's like. It's supernatural. It's not of the dust of this material world. It is of God. The first man was from the earth, the man of dust. The second is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And that is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. We become men and women of heaven when we receive Zoe life. It's supernatural. It cannot be explained necessarily in the terms I'm trying to use. It's a supernatural experience. Second, it's exclusive. But everyone who believes in Jesus as their Savior has it. But those who don't believe in Jesus don't have it. John 1, 4, in him was life and the life was the light of men. John 17, 13. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. It's eternal life to know God. Third, it's imperishable. And it's incorruptible and it's safe from all attack and all loss and all decay. It's safe. It's preserved for us. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. For it's invaluable and precious. It's more valuable than silver or gold. It's life in Christ is more valuable than silver or gold. 1 Peter 1, 18, knowing that you are transformed, I'm sorry, knowing that you are ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like them of a lamb without blemish or spot. So it's invaluable, it's precious, it's, it's supernatural, it's exclusive, it's imperishable. Fifth thing, it's immortal. God is alive forever. As are those who believe in him. Now forever is a, it's a powerful word. If you ever stop and think about forever. It's immortal. For this imperishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable. And the mortal puts on immortality. Then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. 1 Corinthians 15, 53. And it is eternal, the life of the Father and the Son without beginning or end. As the Father has life in himself, so he granted the Son to also have life in himself. John 5, 23. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his Son. 1 John 5, 11. Number seven, it's abundant. The life God gives is superior. It's extraordinary. It's surpassing. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. You know, as you walk through these things, you get the idea when Jesus was here, his, his, his purpose was to reveal something that we would all say is too good to be true. 
We would all say, I don't deserve this. We would all say, what is this thing like? I'm worried about putting food on the table. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about this. And Jesus is coming and saying, yes, I understand all that. I know the number of hairs on your head. But there's more to life. And I want you to have life. Life. Number eight. It's eternally satisfying. Jesus said to her in John 4, 13. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Not just living forever, but the quality and the fullness of life that God had intended. It's spiritual. Again, it's not of the dust. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. John 3, 6. And John six thirty three. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Number 10, it's invincible. It's powerfully victorious over every enemy, even sin. Romans 5, 17. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in the life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 21, a couple of verses later. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And 1 John 5, 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Oh, what's that? Our faith. Our faith. It's full of light. Number 11, it's full of light. Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. John 8, 12. It's fruitful. John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Well, doesn't that make perfect sense now? God, Jesus is talking about Zoe life and he says, without me, you don't have it. So without him, we could never do anything pertaining to Zoe life. That makes perfect sense. We can do nothing impacting Zoe life without Christ. Because he is the source and the originator of it. He's the one who gives it. He's the one who sustains it. And then the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, Galatians 5, 22 says. So what does it mean to have life in Jesus' name? <laughs> All the above. It means that you realize the ultimate reality is life, not death. In fact, if you study the scripture, you'll see that God wants nothing to do with death. He wants nothing to do with death. That's why sin created this barrier because you were going to be, you were beginning to die, right? Immediately upon sin. And he didn't want anything to do with death. And it explains why we have all these sacrifices that kind of pointed to a future of Christ coming to be the ultimate sacrifice for us. He wants nothing to do with death. Because he is life. 
Okay, so you watch 60 Minutes, right? And they had all these fantastic things. There was this gold mine in South Africa, and they were two miles, three miles down below the surface. And there was this, these scientists, and there was, there was water seeping out of the rocks. And they said, this is ancient water. This is ancient water, and it was salty. So they said, well, this water must be from the ocean that used to be above us seeping down through three miles of rock, and here's the water. And if we can find life in this water... That's really going to speak to us. So they get some of this water and they put their microscopes on it and bam, there's these little worms living in this water. And every place you go on this planet, you find life. Why are there 3,000 types of mosquitoes? There's a lot of deer. <laughs> Three, I get this question from Crossroads. Why are there so many types of mosquitoes? Why are there so many stars? Why are there so many? And I'm thinking, the heavens declare the... Yeah. The heavens declare the glory of God. God is so creative and He's so giving of life that He just... It just springs forth out of Him. It exudes out of Him. Exactly. Do you feel the wonder of this? To, to have life in Jesus' name, you realize that ultimate reality is life, not death. Original reality, absolute reality, is life. But Jesus is the source and is the only one who can give it. He is life. He is alive. He's thinking and doing and ruling and feeling and praying for all eternity. Right now, he's praying for each one of us. As far back as you can go in eternity and as far forward as you can go in eternity, Jesus is. Colossians 1 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us from, to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. We also have to realize when we think about life in Jesus' name that physical matter did not give rise to life. Sorry, can't go there. Life gave rise to matter, not the vice versa. Once there was only life and no matter. Only when that personal life created matter was there then life and matter. Now this is the great division between atheistic and Christian worldviews. For atheists, everything begins with inanimate matter and energy. They don't necessarily consider what could have been there before to make it. They don't even ask that question. Atheists choose to believe that in the beginning was matter and energy. They don't know it, they guess. They say that impersonal matter and impersonal energy are absolute, original, and ultimate. And then, of course, for billions of years, with no creator, no intelligence, no design, no purpose, no plan, somehow there emerges from mindless, lifeless, random matter and energy, not only the irreducible complexities of interdependent biological structures, but also this glorious thing called living soul. What a wonder. Living personhood. That's their account of life. 
For Christians, it's the other way around. First, there was life. Then there was physical matter and energy. First, there was a living God, and he created matter and energy. In the beginning was the word, and then there was life. And when we have life in Christ, we have everything. We have everything. I don't know that I've done a good, given you a good answer. One day we will stand before Jesus and we'll say, this is what life is. Finally, I see it now, what life is. Until then, it's looking into a glass, a dark glass, right? It's dimly lit sometimes. But the more you pursue the giver of life, the more that life will become real in you. Now, maybe another Sunday we can talk about what's the, what's the result of having this life in Christ. How then we should we live our lives? But for today, I just wanted to consider what this life is. Life in Christ. And I want you to see that it's totally above and beyond a physical life. Which is great and glorious in itself, right? I mean, this is a marvelous creation of God. Look, isn't that fantastic? I'm not even thinking about it. (laughs) It's just happening. But the life of the Spirit is where we find the true peace and joy and rest and glory and relationship that we've always longed for. For John 17, 3, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. 1 John 5, 11. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in His Son. So what does it mean to have life in Christ? It means to know Jesus. It means to have the blinders taken off our eyes and eyes of faith that allow us to gaze upon Him and then receive Him. Would you pray with me? And Mary, we're going to. Lord, blessed be your name. Lord, this life. Um, Lord, we thank you. We're thankful for the translators, but Lord, we also thank you that there's. There's words used in the translation and sometimes those words can point us and the words can be used together with other words and they can really open up the windows of heaven, so to speak, Lord, that we might see. In this particular case, Lord, I think about John hearing that another one of his brothers in Christ has fallen. His life has been snuffed out by evil men. And John thinking, "I, I must get the word out. I must let the world know where true life comes from. And Lord, we thank you for that, for what John has given us. Lord, all of his writings speak to the life in Christ that we might know. And by knowing, we might believe. And by by believing, we have life. Lord, I pray that as we live our lives, we would find great joy and, and peace, Lord, in following after you and resting with you and seeking you and being your ambassadors, Lord, to a world. Lord, we thank you for what Camille shared about 
speaking life and praying life into mm-hmm. people yes. in, in Africa. Thank you. Lord, we thank you for every, every, every time we have, every opportunity, whether it be at a church service, to pray and to gather together. And let's seek what life is like, Lord, at Crosswave or uh, ESL classes, Lord, at King's Jewels. Lord, coming up in Peru as a, a patient is sitting in this chair that we're looking at and their bios life is being ministered to. Lord, may they also receive faith to have Zoe life. God, we, we have a, you have a plan and a purpose for us that goes way beyond a passive following. Lord, let us be active, living with a quality of life. And Lord, we finally, we thank you for your love for us. That Jesus would come and lay down his life so that he would be just, to be the justifier of all those who believe in him. Thank you, Lord, Mm -hmm. that our life now is in you. Blessed be your name, Lord God. Blessed be your name. We pray this together in the name of the life giver, Jesus Christ. Amen.